Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Are you ready, kids? Get your parents' permission, check your mailbox, and grab your shopping cart. It's time for the Adventures in Collecting podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Dave. Welcome Welcome to to Adventures Adventures in Collecting, where we talk toy news, culture, and hauls, along with our journeys as collectors. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Adventures in Collecting. The force is strong in this episode. Oh yeah, I, I, I do. You feel that? You you sense that? You sense the the? Uh, I don't want to say a disturbance in the force because that's no. that's got a negative connotation to it. <laughs> I, I I sense a, a a power that we've not I yet thought, felt on this show. Dave. I thought you were gonna start quoting the uh, the Force Awakens trailer. Wasn't that like there's? Isn't it like yeah? Can you feel like Snoke yelling? Or oh yeah, all the, all the different all the different yeah. cut throughs. I I I wish at at uh nine thirty at night on on the the day of the Ahsoka premiere that my brain was elsewhere and able to pull said quotes, but um it's it, it, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I don't have them either. <laughs> if uh if you didn't figure it out already and you didn't read the title of the show or follow us on social media and know what's coming tonight. Of course, we have a, uh, a special Star Wars-themed episode. Uh, long have we waited, but this is where the fun begins. Joining us this week on the pod is Star Wars, the Vintage Collection Senior Product Designer at Hasbro, Emily Cantaloupe. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here, and I hope that it is a power in the force that you sense. And if so, I hope that it's me and not this Knight of Ahsoka just permeating throughout the fandom. <laughs> I, I think it's definitely you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'll take it. This is this has been a long time coming. Uh, I'm, we are so excited uh, to have you on the show. We will we will try to, and, and, and when I say we, this is going to be like 90, uh, like 60% me. I'm going to try to bury my fanboy as deep as I can and be a professional, <laughs> objective uh, journalist and interview uh, person here, <laughs> but uh, clearly oh, I'm yes. off to a Star great Wars toys part. are maximum, maximum professional. <laughs> I mean, I've had conversations for work about Bib Fortuna's Fat Leku. I mean, this is maximum professional. I've been here. Yes, yes. I was gonna say that, like, my forty. Am I the forty percent? Like, <laughs> I think I, I'm only saying that because I, I know you, you like your fandom started earlier than mine. Yes. But I am currently sitting about three inches from a Tupperware bin that's filled with like 400 three and three quarter inch Star Wars figures. So that's why yeah. I gave myself Ooh. a higher percentage on that. That's that's fair. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, but before we jump into all the, the Star Wars goodness, uh, as this is a show about collecting, the first thing we ask all of our guests, uh, what are you currently collecting and what are some of your recent pickups? Sure. Well, sometimes it feels like I'm collecting everything, which is a problem when it's two toy people married. But um, I'd say my most recent splurge was the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Cherry Blossom Glow-in-the-Dark Godzilla from Mondo. So I loved him. I immediately like saw him and had to have him. Like most of the time I'm pretty planned in my collecting, but this was total impulse. Um, And he actually reminded me of another toy that I have. Um, once I was in a Hong Kong toy market and I bought like a transparent purple Mothra and I've always thought he needed a friend. So that was my recent splurge. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, fellow Kaiju fanatic. I, I, I got a different San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Godzilla, a friend of mine that was out there was able to come back with the super seven, uh, uh, Dark Horse Comics inspired Ultimate Godzilla. Ooh. So, yeah. Very cool. So we both had a Godzilla Comic-Con. I love it. I feel like my other thing I've been collecting in a big way is like 
it must be a monster thing right now because I've been way into the NECA gargoyles. And um, yeah. I loved the cartoon as a kid. It's actually is probably really cringy now, but I feel like when I was a child, I would like draw my own gargoyles characters in my comic books. So I was just like way sucked into the story of the show. Um, I think all I need is like Lexington to complete the core crew. So we're on the lookout. Awesome. Yeah, those are really cool. I've, I, I, uh, back at New York Comic Con, yeah, last year, or yeah, last year at New York Comic Con, they had like a, NECA had like a full dio up of them, and I couldn't believe how big they were, like in person. Like, yes. Really yeah, they're enormous. And everything. Yeah. I love the color too. It's like muted and kind of realistic while still being those cartoon inspired colors. It's very cool. Yeah, they did a good job bringing those to life because it, you know, to your point, like the animation style, it could be kind of cheesy bringing it to, you know, figure form. And they've done a really nice job mm -hmm. of, of, you know, modernizing it while still paying homage to, you know, the way that they looked on screen. So yeah, really, really cool figures. Absolutely. They're starting to do those video game color variants. Too. Oh yeah. So with the, the Sega yeah, yeah. packaging. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's something that I know from my work is like take an animated character and make them feel realistic and it's always a dance. So I also really appreciate it when someone else does it well. And I was going to say, when you were saying, what else do you need other than Godzilla? You know, I finally have the right audience for the answer to that question. And it's Porgs. <laughs> there you go. Just so many, they could overwhelm Godzilla. How many Porgs mm -hmm. would it take? Yeah, it would go. It, it could go. It could go one of two ways. It could either be like a Godzilla with a real full tummy, or, <laughs> or, or a Godzilla, Godzilla taken over by Porgs. It's what, what's the what's the age old question? Would you rather fight a a, a chicken <laughs> the size of a oh, horse yeah, yeah. or a hundred horse sized chickens? Right, like the something or, or, like that. Yeah, yeah. chicken sized <laughs> horses. That's what it is. Um, so, Dave, would you rather fight <laughs> a Godzilla sized Porg? Or we wouldn't fight. Or <laughs> there you go. Or a They'd thousand pork-sized Godzillas. They'd sense the They'd friendly your, energy. Your Totoro-like giant bird friend. Oh. Like. I actually, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I saw this picture, and I, I can't remember the artist um, that, that made it, but they made that that famous scene from My Neighbor Totoro with, uh, with the girls waiting at the bus stop, but it's Ray waiting at the bus stop with a giant org. And she's she's oh that's, that's pretty amazing. Cute. She's got the umbrella. <laughs> I love the crossover. Yeah, that's <laughs> All right, so I feel like I feel like this is a, a story I have to share now. So um, my significant other and I we we went to the uh, Disney exhibit in Philly at the Franklin Institute, mm. and it's Disney 100. So there's different you know things, and we got to the Star Wars section, and I don't remember what I was talking about, but literally like I'm saying yeah you know it'd be and I just went. <gasps> And I, she's like, and she goes, oh, you found it. And I go, it's a porg. It was like an actual <laughs> on set porg from the movie. Oh, and okay. I, yeah, it was a proper oh, puppet. And I just like, I don't remember what I was talking about beforehand. I just know that literally stopped me in my tracks. And I had to take like about five or 10 selfies with it. Yeah, I got all of a sudden Amazing. I got a selfie un unaware that he was going to the exhibit. I get the selfie of just him making this, just his face filled with like the childlike wonder of like meeting their biggest idol. And it's him with a, a, a screen used pork. And I was like, this is the mm -hmm. sweetest picture you've ever sent me, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> our, our team went to the Mandalorian experience exhibit, which had all the props from the show. And I think I had a similar experience meeting the giant Bantha that they used on set because it's it's huge in person it's so fluffy it was incredible to see yeah star wars snuffleupagus how, how could you not love yeah. a big oh yeah big bantha uh so so speaking of of uh the of star wars and and doing things with the team at hasbro uh you recently celebrated your 14th anniversary there so congratulations uh that's 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 quite a feat thank you uh, tell us about how you got your start in the industry and how you moved through Hasbro and, and into your current role. Sure, I can weave you the origin story. So I went to an art school in Ohio, Columbus College of Art and Design, and my husband went as well. That's where we met. 
And both of us kind of got into the industry through a sculpture competition. So Hasbro brought this contest for an internship to our college. And the contest was sculpt an action figure in wax. And we both were like, oh, this is so fun. We have to try. So they brought um, wax was how the industry made the toys at the day. It was like hand carved and using heat pens. And they also brought a bunch of stock round joint parts that you like embedded into the wax. Um, so my husband, who is currently a toy sculptor, he's amazing at it. Um, he won the challenge and his sculpture was incredible. Um, he went way above and beyond what the contest asked for. He just dug in and had the time of his life sculpting this action figure. Um, when Hasbro came and they reviewed us, they loved mine. They were like, this is really good. This is like a second place sculpt, but your design boards, these are actually where it's clear that you put the most time. And can we share these with the VP of design? So I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, and only one person was supposed to get an internship, but we both did. And so that's both our Hasbro origin story. And it was really fun to sort of win that potential for the future to just take a totally different path. And I mean, that's, that's incredible. And, and yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, you know, shout, yeah. shouts to Corey. His work is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, thank you. Definitely, definitely, uh, you know, a lot of respect in the community for him. Um, and, 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 and of course, you know, you didn't just start, you know, in the gate at star Wars. So what were some of the things that you worked on before you found your way over to, uh, the star Wars brand? Yeah, actually, on the question of moving through the company, it's so big that you can try a lot of different things in your time at Hasbro. Like um, when I first started, I think I interned on strawberry shortcake. Um, The funny story there is we would smell test the smell that would be injected into their little heads. And sometimes it was on the mark and sometimes it was like, (laughs) 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 so smell testing strawberry shortcakes was a fun adventure when I was an intern. And of course, you always want to get them right, and they're right by the end product. Um, but I mean, other things I've worked on, I, I've worked on so much. I've been able to work on littlest pets, small dolls, large dolls, plush preschool role play, kid vehicles, and now fan product is where I'm at at the moment. And it really feels like coming home to be on Star Wars, which I've been such a fan of for so long. So that's just been a blast. So you mentioned you've been a fan of Star Wars for a long time. Um, what's your personal relationship with Star Wars going into working now with it at Hasbro? Yeah, absolutely. So my relationship with Star Wars really started uh, with my relationship with my dad, who is amazing. And he introduced me to so much awesome nerd content growing up. Um, so pretty much like, as soon as I finished kids' books, like Sea Spot Run, he was like, okay, here's The Hobbit. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, Tolkien is a lot. But I actually, because I knew Dad loved it, I would come back and I would like reread The Hobbit and then eventually the Lord of the Rings trilogy of books every year until they were clicking and I was getting into that Tolkien universe. And then Dad and I would watch, you know, the Rankin Bass Hobbit movie. And then we would watch Indiana Jones and Star Wars and like X Files together. Um, and it was just such good times and my, definitely my love of pop culture kind of came from that connection with him. This makes me so happy because <laughs> what you're describing, I, you know, I, I speak about my kids all the time on the show, but I, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've, my eldest is going to be eight in, in September. And, um, <laughs> it, this makes me feel really great because this is, you're describing a lot of what we're going through right now. Like she's, she's, Aww. um, she's reading ahead of where she should be. Uh, you know, at, at like a, her school level. So like she's already deep into comics and starting in, to get into some of the, you know, chapter books and like um, dipping her toes and like Bailey school kids and goosebumps. And, you know, she's seen Indiana Jones and obviously all the Star Wars stuff. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking that I, I am not watching Ahsoka tonight because uh, we are we are here recording and we had a little bit of a late night. So um, if I watch it without her, I will basically fail her as a parent. Um, so I'll, I'll break. <laughs> you can't that. betray that. Yeah. You can't betray that. <laughs> can't betray that trust. That's so, so cute, though. So we'll be watching. It I mean, keep at it. Keep at it, and you might end up with like a professional nerd. I guess is the yeah. story. But that, that's so adorable that you guys share that. The the things we strive for: professional nerdum. That's yeah. There you go. <laughs> and at some point, at some point, you know, when it comes to like 
you know, she can wait a little bit for X-Files, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it scared me. I liked to yeah. be scared. Maybe that was a that's, 90s kid thing. I, I enjoyed it, but it was scary. We've done that's, that's right in Uncle Dave and Aunt Christina's like, wheelhouse, too. So We've done Eerie yeah. Indiana, which is like the first steps towards that X-Files type storytelling. Mm-hmm. So like, we've... Indiana has scary moments. If she's watching Goosebumps, though. We haven't tried watching any of Goosebumps yet. Reading versus watching... I would say reading's worse because you 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 imagine whatever something's going to be is way worse than when you see it. You're you're not that's true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But she's do, done okay with reading a couple of them so far. So I just up. can't wait because she's going to take that like career test at the end of high school, and they're going to be like, mm-hmm. okay, looks like you're well suited for nerddom. <laughs> <laughs> you're well suited to be a nerd. Congratulations, or not? I don't I don't know what to do. You with may this. or may not make money at this. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have any podcasters in the family? <laughs> well, since you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh but before before we move into your your present and kind of the future, uh there uh, we we have to talk a little bit about the past. And this is something that I have always wanted to ask you. And I know we have had conversations offline and I have had the opportunity to ask you this question, but I've been been saving it for this moment so before the 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 you know kind of modern uh five poa five point of articulation line was put to rest the releases that were coming out for the last jedi solo and star wars resistance were some of the best looking sculpts uh the team had ever produced at the time i i still maintain that that last jedi uh leia is like one of the most gorgeous five point of articulation figures ever um can we talk about why the rise of Skywalker didn't get a wave of those figures? Sure. So, um, oh man, I don't want to dash your hopes here. I do have to say that it, it is still, uh, the five POA line is still in the vault for us. Um, so I don't think that there's current plans, but, um, this is the kind of thing that we're always open to hearing what do the fans want. And if there's a larger call for it, that's the kind of stuff that catches our attention. And um, when it comes to the Rise of Skywalker product, um, I believe that this is an era that I wasn't on the vintage team specifically, but I believe that the reduced products for later sequel movies came a bit from the team sort of gauging demand from the audience, demand from the retailers based on stock in their current inventory, um, and that kind of thing. So very sorry that it disappointed you. I actually agree. Some of our sculpture that went into the, the five POA products is like, still masterful just because it wasn't highly articulated. They're works of art. Um, And I'll also just say personally, I've been really excited to hear about the star Wars movie that's coming up with Daisy Ridley. Um, I hope that it brings back a sort of revival for the story and the characters there. um, And that we see new aspects and and new takes and I'm very excited for it. Yeah. I I mean, me too. My, my, yeah, my youngest, her middle name is Ray. <laughs> so yes. you know, I'm I'm unabashed in you know my 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 love for the sequel trilogy. Your oldest has been Ray. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's been Ray for Halloween. See, I'm you, you're angling for professional nerd kid. Yeah. You're, you're angling her there. I love it. <laughs> it's just it was just one of those things where like as somebody who came into Star Wars collecting in the '90s with the power of the Force two, kind of that like that relaunch, it was the mm-hmm. only like movie that didn't get a wave of that style figure. And it's like mm-hmm. the I'm I'm by no means a completionist when it comes to, you know, uh collecting, but like it was one of those things where it was like, oh, it's the only Skywalker film that doesn't have mm-hmm. figures in the style. Uh yeah, but I thank I you. Hear ya. Thank you for answering the question. I, I you know we we both mm-hmm. really no appreciate problem. it. Yeah, I mean we like to say no door is closed and a, a lot of it does come from us listening to the audience and what do you guys have a demand for? And we certainly pay attention. Secrets and surprises are probably one of the biggest things that, um, you know, they've, they, that's one of the biggest things that comes with star Wars. Like they're the secrets are, are a huge role. Um, and you joined the team during one of the franchise's biggest ever. Or smallest, I guess he would be. Um, since you've worked on some of the earliest Grogu products, did you have to keep that information guarded for a while, like and for like a long time, or was it just kind of like, nope, here he is? 
Oh man, did we? This is like one of my best toy stories. This is so fun and wild. It was a wild ride. So um, the first thing I'll note is that it's it's really amazing that LFL kept Grogu such a secret. And we certainly don't mind because the way that he revealed to audiences and that surprise moment, I think it's part of why we all love him so much. Um, Grogu was just a shock to the world. And um, I'll just say that once our team saw him in the show, it was off to the races. So we knew everyone would want this character. Right away, you can tell that's got to be a toy. So um, I worked on some of our first Grogu products, the Talking the Child plush, and also worked on the Bounty Collection and um, another kind of six-inch plastic one. And these were some of the, they were, they were the fastest products I have ever worked on. And they actually might hold our company record because we went from initial conception of getting together and like, what is this toy going to be to concept sculpt deco sewn soft goods and then licensure approved in three weeks so that is not normal wow. for toys what? oh yeah it's absolutely not normal for toys and our team worked like super fast and close this was like SWAT team style we designated a single person at the leadership level to make decisions we said we're not going to need to approve it all the way up the chain this time i was running around the office to coordinate our various departments. I would run to sculpture and then I would run to paint and then soft goods. And there were nights that our team just ordered pizza delivered to the Hasbro office so we could keep running. And again, it was really wild. We wanted this, this figure to come out, these, these amazing characters and um, the various little bounty collections and everything. And, and it was really wild. And it brought us together as a team in a way that I feel like we had this team make it happen camaraderie. Um, we certainly don't continuously run that fast anymore because it was like wild, but <laughs> it was awesome at the same time. It was awesome. And I remember it fondly. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned bounty collection. Cause I have, oh yeah, I've, I've tried to get every variation of Grogu eating. <laughs> that's, Love that's it. possible. Like the I, except for, cookies. except for this one, he's that one. I just, the face <laughs> I couldn't, but, um, mm-hmm. Here, yeah, I have the cookies. I have the soup. I have them with the frog. They're great. I've they're, yeah, they're, they're the best. You have all of these, and, and this is the first time I'm seeing them all at once, Dave. This, you do have yeah. more of those. That's than a I realize. great like way to target your collection. I love it. Yeah, I was like he the he, because he's just like that's his thing. Like he eats and just has the shifter knob. Like uh-huh. I was like, okay, I need. I'm just gonna get Grogu eating because otherwise. Where do you stop? They're all adorable. So yeah, um, I was like, yeah, Grogu eating is going to be my genre for these. It's perfect. That's the perfect way to collect bounty collection. It's incredible. So, so before we leave the topic of Grogu, do you have a favorite Grogu that you've worked on? Like, if you had to pick one, <gasps> I mean, we've—I think we've made over forty bounty collections, and yeah, and there's a newest a new recent series that's out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's new waves out. Um, my favorite might be the first, the talking, it was at the time it was the child, it wasn't Grogu yet. So the talking, the child flash was, um, a big one that was so collaborative with the team. It was the premier item of those first crazy three weeks of rush. Um, and again, I think it just really like brought us together. Yeah. That, that original one, the one that for, for those of, uh, of you, uh, listening, you know, we, we we could see each other, but you you can't see us. Sorry, but uh, yeah, the the one that is behind you there, that one it it permanently lives with now my uh my two year old. That is her baby. So it's so cute. He, and he let me tell you, he has been through a lot, and he he's mm-hmm. still he's still ticking. He's still everything still moves. <laughs> if you need <laughs> if you need a play tester on anything, my my uh my two year old will put anything through the ringer. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Oh, your family sounds so cute and nerdy. We're, we, we try. We, my my yeah. wife tolerates it. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. She tolerates it. Uh, so as, as technology continues to improve, uh, we're seeing better and better looking and better moving vintage collection uh, releases. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the design process of a vintage collection figure. Like t- how we get from start to finish. Sure. Um, I think when, when you ask this, I have to think about like where the toy industry has come with the new technology and 
I mean, where it's come only in my time in the industry, it's taken leaps. So again, when I joined, it was wax carving and the sculptors would hand carve in that box at true scale, um, maybe 4% larger to count for mold shrink. And if the size was wrong, you might have to sculpt it all over again or like cut them at the waist and lengthen them in a way that didn't look right. Um, whereas in digital that we have now, you can just scale very easily. You can undo. Um, I remember the sculptor sculpting G.I. Joe portraits at scale and thinking, that sculpture, that portrait is the size of my thumbnail. How did you do that? And it was absolutely an incredible art. But now, I mean, they can zoom all the way in and add that little doot mold to Kenobi. So it's, it's huge changes for the industry. And I think, honestly, the most inspiring part of that has been watching these talented artists and makers adapt to the new tech. Um, I always say adaptation, I think, is the strongest skill to build in this industry because it moves so quickly. Um, and it's the same with photoreal face stucco. When it came, it was a game changer. And again, I remember like those awesome little portraits. They'd, they'd get the final paint and every once in a while it was like, mm, a little off the registration or size of eyes and stuff. And thinking, you know, there's such a good sculpt that could it could look better. And then photoreal came and now it's like, this ultimate sculpture technique with this ultimate deco technique are married to just make perfect tiny little representations. And it makes me really proud of the industry. And again, now proud of the the paint team also adapting to digital deco practices. And we've all taken on these amazing technological leaps. It just inspires me. It's huge. Yeah. It, and it, it is incredible. Like, you know, I'm, of course, you know, I have I have her at the ready for for this evening or well, of tomorrow. course, but, um, you know, it, it's it's incredible because, you know, we we see this, you know, across companies, across brands with the, you know, the 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 face printing technology, you know, in, in various scales. But for some, I don't know if it's because just the, the kind of marvel of the fact that it's like, I can't believe you guys are doing this this tiny but also mm-hmm. the the kind of uh, what's the word that I'm I'm looking for? There, you don't really see some of the artifacting in the final product that you do with the larger scales in these small figures because mm. you know the closer and closer you get, there's only so close you could get to a three and three quarter inch figure before you're like it's right next to my eye. Um, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> It just it looks incredible. These really do look like these the ones that have been coming out over like the last you know two three years at this point. Like they look like little like this looks like a one eighteen scale Rosaria Dawson. Like she's here standing in my hand. <laughs> one of the Andors in the store I saw I was like oh wow that's unbelievable. Awesome, love it. I mean, once again, I'm so proud of our team. Just like taking on the challenge of new tech and excelling at it. And it's so many talented makers behind it all. And it comes together and I'm so proud of the final product. And now a word from our sponsors. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Chubsy Wubsy Toys, a traditional mom and pop toy store in Little Falls, New Jersey, Chubsy Wubsy Toys brings you the best new toys from the brands you love without the hassle of pounding the pavement searching for them at larger retail stores. Visit them in person at their brand new home at 101 Newark Pompton Turnpike Suite 1 in Little Falls, New Jersey or online at ChubsyWubsy.com. That's C-H-U-B-Z-Z-Y-W-U-B-Z-Z-Y.com and tell them Adventures in Collecting sent you. Rewind and press play on your VHS collection with CGC. CGC is excited to announce our newest collectible vertical, CGC Home Video. As a division dedicated to authenticating and grading your VHS collection, our experts are ready to help you encapsulate your favorite video cassettes. Don't settle for static on the screen. Submit today at cgcgrading.com. That's cgcgrading.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And now, back to the show. So is, is it still starting? Like, does the process still start with, like, somebody, you know, drawing, like, a you know, just kind of a 2D version of the character, you know, or, or is it is it going straight to like that 3D render and then, you know, upward and onward? Sure. I can say that it's a little different depending on whether it's a realistic line versus a stylized line. So when it comes to something like Black Series and Vintage Collection, a lot of what our team of designers is doing is working with reference that comes straight from LFL. They have incredible um, reference documenting archives. And then when it comes to something that's more stylized, it is something where the designer gets more um, control artwork done at the beginning and guides exactly how we want the stylization to happen. So that's dependent on which kind of product. So we talk about just the litany of characters that exist in the Star Wars universe. Um, And there's an ocean of possibilities for character selection for really any line, but you know, especially for uh, the vintage collection. So can you tell us a little bit how you and the team decide who to include? Ooh, sure. So I'm going to call this maybe the toughest part of a super fun job. But um, it's, it's a lot of factors that I can kind of break down for you guys that all swirl together in the decision making here and gain different priorities over each other. So I think, of course, you know, one of the first things is evaluating the new content for the year. What is Lucasfilm making right now? And that will be something I think we always prioritize highly within our lines. So we want to get, you know, the new news out. And then after that, we do listen a lot to our audiences. So we pull, you know, social looking and what the fans are interested in, as well as, you know, for vintage, we love the fan-led March Madness vote. It's awesome that they do that. It's a great way to tell us what they're looking for. Um, Super helpful. And, you know, we, we do need to balance some of the deeper cuts with, um, the more, you know, mainline characters. Um, so we, we balance that out a little, but it's, it's amazing to hear what fans want. And then um, efficiency plays a role. So if we're able to make a character by using some existing parts, that's a bonus. It makes them a little more feasible for us. We're looking for those creative solutions in tooling. Um, as well, we look at big anniversaries and is there something that we want to tie into for marketing for the year? So again, it's a lot of factors to balance and our final selects are kind of come down to like, well, would you trade that person? No, I guess not. <laughs> These kinds of meetings. Again, this is like where toys seem very serious until they're not very serious at all. And it's like, but what about this character? Um, but yeah, we balance all those factors out and our team stays really close. It also evolves throughout the year because entertainment news will come in that we'll react to. So um, again, tough part that we all pay a lot of close attention to and it's very multifactored. I'm glad you brought up the March Madness thing because this year we actually were invited to help kind of like participate in it uh, at, at mile high ground and at uh, SWTVC on, on Instagram. Uh, you guys should both should be following them. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome accounts, especially for uh, if you're a vintage collection fan, um, that March Madness yeah. thing, the amount of work that, that those guys put into that is absurd it is so crazy and 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 honestly the the last year's winner was dooku and he was announced in the pipeline at san diego comic-con so, yeah he was so there, yes, there you go so, i mean yeah it it certainly looks like a ton of work but it, it's a great way for us to hear from the fan audience so again i agree kudos to these guys to those guys that run the the, the march madness vote um it's really awesome to, for us to see Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, uh, sticking with kind of character selection and 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 kind of, I guess you could say, action figure logistics. Uh, with with so many characters appearing in both the vintage collection and the black series lines, uh, do you guys ever kind of share resources? You know, from from one side to the other. Do, you know, doing decisions that impact, or do decisions on one line impact? You know, decisions say on on the other line. Yeah, I think when it comes to like sculpture resources, that's something that it's not necessarily a copy paste that it might look like. Um, a, a file, for example, if vintage takes one from Black Series, might be a great starting point. But 
that whole form of the character is going to need to be reworked and resculpted for the manufacturing tolerances of the smaller scale. So that means different minimum wall thickness applies all the, everything needs to maybe get a little thicker if it's going to get a lot smaller Um, feasibility, you know, any other manufacturing considerations for the scale difference needs to be applied newly to the sculpt. So it does take a lot of work. Um, again, though, it's a starting point, And so our, our sculptors stay close on the two lines and they work together. Um, and at the end of the day, LFL is, again, awesome documentation, the reference library. That's the end goal for both teams. So um, if it lands there looking the same, we did our job right. So let's talk about the HasLab. Um, part of the reason that the 118th scale Star Wars figures are so iconic is the inclusion of ships. Um, the ghost funded quickly, congratulations, um, and is well on its way to um, start unlocking tiers. So uh, tell us more about what went into the ghost. Well, Dave, real quick, breaking news. Just before we recorded this show, uh, oh. Ezra has been unlocked. So we've hit tier one, 11,000 backers. So congratulations. Um, additional. That's right. But, uh, and congratulations, community. Yeah. But, uh, yes, thank you, community. But yeah, let's 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 get into the ghost. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we'll call it continue unlocking tears. Now we're so we're so excited. Mm-hmm. The team. I mean, cheers around the Hasbro office when it backed. Cheers when this tier unlocked, and we were like heading on our way down the hallways to lunch, like eleven thousand. <laughs> so excitement at the Hasbro office, and we're very happy to see that kind of excitement from the community. Um, I'd say that three and three quarter scale, it was built for vehicles and the way that it unlocks vehicle play is one of the most amazing parts of the scale. Our team is so excited as well to see that ship, the ghost, which was such a legacy in animation first, now coming to live action in Ahsoka, which we all are so excited to watch, um, on Disney plus. And it's, it's perfect for toys as well. I think one of the things that makes the ghost the right pick for me. I really like, I say this a lot when I talk about playsets. I really like an, a location, a playset, a ship where the, a lot of figures come together inside of it. And you can display a lot of figures up to different stuff on the insides. And the ghost, we see so much of the interior. We see the whole crew, um, you know, in the seats in the cockpit area. We see them together in the back living quarters, um, the hold. So I think recreating those interior scenes is just going to be a blast with the figures and stuff. Um and so much went into creating it, you know, working directly together with the showmakers and, and Lucasfilm was extremely exciting for the team. That's our geek out moment. And the detail that the sculptors go into for a big item like this, the hand painting of the model from our, our paint master team. Um, it's so exciting uh, for the team to got, come together on these dream projects and we're similarly excited to see the fans get hyped for it as well. So Back the ghost. Let's get the other tiers. We're just so excited to keep unlocking. Yeah, and and I mean something that as you were talking about it was just kind of dawned on me. You guys actually kind of got to reveal what the ghost was going to look like in live action form, like like in mm-hmm. the toy revealed, you know what that was going to be. And I, you know, it. I don't know why that didn't just didn't dawn on me until literally just this moment. But that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, our team, the vehicle team especially, worked directly with the showrunners, and it was a back-and-forth conversation. So it was very interconnected in a way that we were really excited to collaborate with them. So so our next two tiers, just to, to remind everybody that's listening, right, we have uh, Kanan, and, uh, and and just to clarify, these are, are exclusive to this project, right? Can, the next two figures, Kanan right. and, and Zeb, right? So uh, Kanan at 14... And then Zeb at 17,000, right? I think it's 14 and 17. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, so you know, you'll, you'll have just about the whole crew. And if you pre-ordered the, uh, the deluxe uh, Sabine, you'll, you'll have the whole crew. So, yeah. There you go. That's right. So these figures, just as a reminder, they're exclusive to the campaign on their mural-inspired card backs, which was key to the content. And as well, they are exclusively appearing here in their seasons three and four looks. So we're very excited about them. So is there a particular detail or or feature or something that was included in this project that you're most proud of? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my area of the project was certainly more the figures and the lead figure um, designer for a vintage collection. I stayed connected to the vehicle development so that figure and vehicles work together. But my own focus was the figures. And I think just bringing the Rebels characters to life at three and three quarter scale finally was such a joy and a, a geek out moment. There are characters that you are like, yes, about. And I think um, certainly our, our team did a rewatch of Rebels to dig into those little awesome fan details. One of the things I had a lot of fun with was building those deeper cut fan nods into the accessories. So we've got Ezra with that loft cat in white that he connects with. His stolen scout trooper helmet was a lot of fun for me with all the painted designs on it. The Calicory totem that was so important to Hera and her family. The Meiluan fruit that she sent the guys running around for. Um, all of that rewatch of Rebels and then building those little moments in was really the joy for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I've been rewatching just a couple of episodes you know, leading up. Disney Plus actually has this put together this awesome... like. I guess you could say like best of Ahsoka playlist for like you know, mm-hmm. to kind of get people up to speed. And I immediately like zipped through the playlist all the way to the, the, the couple rebels episodes and just rewatching them and like reliving those, those moments again. Um, it's been a while since I've, I've watched the the episodes and man, that show has just aged so well. Like I actually think I like it. And I loved it <laughs> to begin with, but I actually think I like it better now. Um, you know, a couple years, uh, you know, a few years on, it's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> it really is. I think it's that when you know where it's going and you know the story is going to get so juicy, you really enjoy the start of the characters and where they evolve to even more. Yeah, like that the the reveal of of Fulcrum being so. Oh, it's just so. Oh yeah, so stupid good. <laughs> like it's just good. really good moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I considered a lot of other accessories for the characters. Like, for example, I thought about a holocron, the way that Ezra digs into that Sith temple and gets the red, you know, pyramid-shaped holocron. But I, I thought at the end that it might be too small. Not a lot of payoff, mm-hmm. so I figured the loft cat the helmet were better at our scale. Um, but, man, the team has to stop me from building in fun stuff. Do, they do. Do they, though? Do they really have to stop <laughs> Can they not? Some of the time, some of the time. <laughs> but I, the, no, I mean we, we look for what's going to pay off the biggest, and I think that's where I'll bring some of the options, and then we'll pick like that one's going to stand out. Plus, toy photographers are going to absolutely eat that. Loft cat's going to be showing up everywhere, everywhere. Plus, he's way cute. Yeah, way cute. Everyone loves a loft cat. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've now entered our our Q and A uh, portion of the show here. So. Um, we understand that, uh, you know, our, our guests aren't always fully accessible to every single fan everywhere. Um, so we, we respect that and, you know, we want to make sure that our followers and listeners have an opportunity to submit questions, uh, for these interviews. Um, Dave, (laughs) what should they do if they want the opportunity to submit a question for a future interview? You should smash that follow button for Instagram and keep an eye on those stories because you'll see when our next guest is on and we'll ask, do you have a question for that guest? And we'll do that in a regular post too. And then you get to hear it on your podcast form of choice and you can leave reviews cause there's that helps. Um, and if you're on YouTube, you can smash that, subscribe button and hit the bell and then you'll get to know when more content is dropping and you'll get to see the results of your question. I literally look forward to this moment in every episode now. You, you, every, every time. Every, yeah, bravo. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Hit that and subscribe. I'm starting to learn what those things mean. A great, a great job. <laughs> a great job you did. Read the ancient texts. Thank you. you must. Um, <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, this is our Q and a section with uh, questions submitted by our followers. Dave, would you like to, uh, do the first question here? I would love to. Um, so this is a question that a lot of people asked, um, in some form or fashion. Was there a specific design reason that the new Sabine Wren release comes with a removable helmet as opposed to a swappable head like Bo-Katan or Casca? 
Sure, absolutely. I'm actually excited to speak to this one since I know it's been a topic of a lot of discussion and to speak about how we got there, where we're going. So um, when it came to Sabine's helmet for the initial decision making, um, in general, removable versus interchangeable helmets have been a tough one for us to get kind of a read from the community about what they want. It's been a little split because, you know, some feel that without the helmet being removable, it's missing that classic toy feature. Others prioritize the perfect aesthetic proportion of an interchangeable. So we had kind of built our own rule system internally that a character would get a removable helmet if the hairstyle is really trimmed and slim on the head. And we thought that was feasible for Sabine's hairstyle, which is cropped a little close. I think you can see where that's going. Um, we did make the helmet at the minimum wall thickness that the factory has rules around. That's their standard for ease of molding. And we also don't want to make her head too small under there or she'd look a little strange on helmeted. So we, we made it the minimum wall thickness. And then, well, for the final product, when we saw that first shot tooled, it, it does certainly disappoint our team when a figure doesn't quite come out like we dreamed. The proportion we found wasn't working for the slimmer female figure in the way that it had worked with bigger armored male figures that offset that proportion of minimum wall thickness better. So I think the the female figure did affect it in this instance. And that's definitely, you know, a learning for us. So we've had a lot of, you know, talk internally. I can say that moving forward, we're going to be looking at interchangeable helmets as our standard since the response has been pretty clear um, that, you know, we'll take some time to turn the ship on. But that's where we'd like to, to go in the future. And we hear you, we agree, and we're aligned on that future path. So um, thank you for everybody that's shared the response to that. And we hear you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Next question. Uh, this one comes from at Radis Forced, excuse me, at Radis Forstad asks, soft goods, how do you go about selecting materials and designing the cuts for them? Sure. So... I think soft goods is really fun. It lends a lot of movability to the figures. If it can look right, it, it helps them sit in a vehicle. Um, we just balance that with where we can afford to do it. And again, whether the, the shape of the soft goods is going to be something that looks nice at the scale. And we have a sort of selected number of fabrics that we have higher confidence in for sort of being a thin fabric that looks right at our three and three quarter inch and being best for cost. Um, we also kind of keep our eyes out if a costume calls for something really unique, but um, honestly, honestly, this question, I have to shout out to some of our internal team members. I love that this question lets me shout out our soft goods team of soft goods project engineer, Hannah and soft goods, senior model maker, Kayla, because they are awesome, self-driven, amazing creatives who are, um, you know, always willing to take on a challenge with me and find creative solutions. They're amazing to collaborate with and, you know, I can remember when we like got the neck drape and the laser cut weathering holes just right on Mando's soft goods cape. It's just going to pull the figure together in a really fun way. Hey, you got you got an, a hood to fit on that awesome Togruta uh-huh. head of Ahsoka's. <laughs> that took some trying. It's a, it's an <laughs> listen. I love her. She's got an odd shaped head. That's that's quite a challenge yeah. to tackle. So yeah. Uh, uh, also, also love love a good soft goods application here on on my mm-hmm. end. So it's not every day you have to fit a hood over Montrals, and that's another one of those discussions that makes our job very weird and fun. And also a <laughs> sentence that you get to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So at the Twin Sons Collecting asks, what has been the most challenging figure and your favorite to work on? Um, so I'm guessing it's like, I think, I think one, yeah, one of, one of each or if it happens to be one and the same, that's. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool question. So I'll pick challenging figure first. Um, first off, many, many things have their own hidden, unique challenges. And our team is always seeking creative solutions. That's like every day for us. We're constantly meeting to review feedback from our production side, um, and discuss solutions. Um, but I think, one that comes to mind just because it was fairly recent was Chris Santon. So he actually had some things that we needed to tune in. And I remember that the very first, oh, you've got him. He's such a cool, such a cool buff Wookiee. Um, I remember that his first round was this like perfect representation of the draping way that Wookiee hair would fall around an elbow. 
And so, of course, I had to ask the team one of my classic painful questions and say, but can he meet the pose of a two-handed rifle grip? And our team was like, oh, we evaluated it and he couldn't at the time. It couldn't bend to achieve it. And so in order to make the key pose happen, we stopped and we made sure to cut back the hair around his arm joints. You're going to check out your chrysanthemum for it so that he could achieve the range of motion, bend the elbow in and grip his two-handed rifle. So I think in the end, we, we overcame that challenge and it came out great. We were able to achieve that key character pose. And so for me, that comes down to when you meet a challenge, balance form and function and ask those right questions. So if that was the most challenging one, do you have a favorite or is that like an impossible sure. ask? <laughs> it's like fairly impossible, but I'll descend into geek out mode here and just say for my personal fandom, I love Ahsoka Tano. I think she's been one of the most powerful and developed Jedi path, Jedi stories of Star Wars. And I've been with her since the beginning, since Clone Wars movie in the theater um, you know, at first I was like, it's a lot of nicknames, but then she <laughs> super, super grew on me. Her story developed, she grew in her Jedi path. She had successes and failures that taught her things and watching her story develop. It's just become one of the best Jedi hero stories for me. And one that I've connected to a lot. So I'm a longtime Ahsoka fan and the season seven finale of Clone Wars, that four episode arc made me cry. <laughs> You're not alone. I'm going to call, oh my gosh, I maybe, maybe sobbed at home alone. Um, but I'm going to call one of my favorites for personal reasons, just the Ahsoka Mandalore from Clone Wars Season 7. Working on the figure was amazing. I was also really proud with the final execution and how it came out, and it was just a joy. A, uh, a An awesome San Diego Comic-Con two-pack would totally be Clone Wars Anakin, Clone Wars movie Anakin and Ahsoka but their card backs would have to say Snips and Sky Guy. Uh, <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. That would be an awesome Comic-Con <laughs> exclusive. Just just throwing that out there. Um, that's a fun one. <laughs> so uh, at ITPW on Twitter asks, uh, on some of your live streams, it looks like your personal collection is housed in an Imperial wall case. Where did you get those? Oh man, thank you so much for asking. My husband and I built it. So uh, you guys can't see me, but it's right behind me here. Um, so we bought a new house and I described to my husband my dream Star Wars office. And so we collaborated and we did this in a four-day build project. So um, actually, if anybody wants to see it, if anybody's curious, I saved it in the highlights at the top of my Instagram. But we built it out of a large sheet of plywood. We cut the holes with a hole cutter and then connected them with a drill uh, jigsaw to make the pill shapes. And, um, you know, from that, like sanded all corners down, stapled the mylar sheets to the back, laid down the led strips and it was like almost complete. And so I finally described to my husband, like, what if we could nest little figures inside the lit up pill shapes? And I sketched for him an idea for this little figure platform that you could drill into the back. He is so amazing. He quickly 3D sculpted it and 3D printed a bunch for me. And now I love the way it's come out. It's like all of these figures silhouetted in the pill shapes. And it's like, very who's that Pokemon? Because their shapes are so <laughs> iconic. Um, if anybody's got questions, I'd love to let you know how we did it and how you can build your own. Future extra Q&A. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so one last question that a lot of people asked was, can we talk about what the community has named the Boba Tex? Sure. It, it's, it's a tough nickname, I think, but the answer is that Boba Fett is a deco intensive character as are many of the Mandalorians. And that's a, that's a tough reality for us in pricing an item. And especially with the way that manufacturing costs have recently shifted. So our, our newly announced Sabine is also high in deco. I, you know, I've seen some comments that have said, how is she deluxe with that number of accessories? And the truthful answer is that she's wearing it. She's wearing all that deluxeness on her armor deco. And so, you know, um, another answer here is that when it comes down to retail prices, Hasbro doesn't control pricing in the market and retailers are free to set their own SRP. So a good amount of cost work goes in behind the scenes. Our team is always trying to set the best price for you to get those fun, complex characters and those complex designs. 
out in a way that we can feasibly manufacture. So much paint. <laughs> Just so mm-hmm. much paint. So many deco hits. Oh, Sabine. It's, Sabine is so awesome. Yeah. I mean, she literally, like, tags her arm, her own armor and <laughs> cha- changes it all it's the time. It's pretty great. So, yeah. Well, again, thank thank you for for answering uh, answering all of the Q and A questions. We did it. Uh, congratulations! You you've you've made it through Yay. the adventures and collecting fan Q and A, and and thank you to everyone for submitting your questions. Um, yes, thank you. So before we let you off the hook and 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 send you home, um, we do have a tradition on the show. Uh, Dave, would you like to fulfill your role as this podcast's James Lipton and ask? Our final question. <laughs> well, yes, I would. The final question that we ask all of our guests, what is your favorite and or strangest piece in your collection? It can be one of each, or it can be both. This is great. I love it. So a personal favorite is probably the carded Beskar Mando, which John Favreau signed for me. So he came to visit the Hasbro office, which was an amazing visit. Um, actually, I'm I'm used to opening all of my toys. I like to let him breathe. But this one, I'm kind of like, should, should I get him graded? Should I grade it? Yes. I'm not sure what do you yes, guys you think should. about grading him. Mm-hmm. I, might, I might need to. But um, it's a super fun memory because he was so nice to the team. He took his time admiring the toy samples and engaging each of us individually and signing a lot for us. Um, you know, it was an amazing experience with him and it was a blast to have him and please come back sometime, John. We loved it. <laughs> so that's a super fun memory figure for me and one that's really special. Um, and for weirdest, so I, this is a figure that did not come out. I once asked just what would it look like if we flocked a vintage collection Chewbacca? So <laughs> he might be the only Chew Flocka in existence. <laughs> Love a good really play on awesome words. On my I, I, love I love the it. name of. <laughs> Got to up your pun game in the toy industry, but um, he might be the only in existence, and he's really awesome, even though it's not something we proceeded with. So I love that silly sample. That's awesome. We may not be getting a, a flocked Chewbacca, but we are certainly getting a Life Day Chewbacca, and that's yes, that's that's something that's very exciting. I love that we're holding his orb. I love that we're recognizing that that's a thing that really exists mm-hmm. that once aired on television. I, I love that we've I reached mean, that point in the, <laughs> I, I almost bought a life day <laughs> plush last time I was at uh galaxy's edge. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are the high nerd holidays that we all must celebrate and remember. <laughs> it's, it's in my calendar. It's it is in my calendar, and I B Arthur awesome. joins me every life day on and pours a drink into a man's head. It's um, it's just it's something that needs to happen. <laughs> Incredible! Happy life day! Happy life! Day. Happy life day in advance. An, an early life day yes. to you, Emily. Early life day. Uh, so so with that, we've we've reached the end of our interview. Um, can you can you please tell uh, our our listeners uh, where can they find out the latest about the the vintage collection, Star Wars, Hasbro, yourself? Where where can they where can they do all the following on social media? Sure, absolutely. So you can hear any latest news at Hasbro Pulse on Instagram and on YouTube. We love to share our latest toy news. You also hear a lot more from designers like me and all the other incredibly amazing people around the company as we we do little shout outs and behind the designer desk videos um you can also catch me at miss melon on instagram um reference to my silly name and um yeah that's that's the place to come hunting and i believe you guys have a stream coming up on the 29th yeah august 29th uh, at 11, 11 a.m. Eastern on on the on the Hasbro Pulse YouTube channel. Uh, that'll be a day after this episode airs, so you can listen to this, hear this lovely little plug for the live stream, and then make sure you watch the uh, the Star Wars Ahsoka live stream on the 29th. There we go, right? Awesome, that's right. Looking forward to it, and we can't wait to share more reveals with you guys. Awesome, Emily. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Yes, this, thank you. This this lived up to every expectation I had in my head. So. So, so thank oh, you so good. much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming up with my weird stories. Thank you to the vintage community. And let's get the ghost. Let's get the ghost. Dave, send us home. The force will be with you. Always. And also with you. 
Thank you, dear listener, for hanging out with us today. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen, and then tell your friends to do it. Thanks also to Joe Azari, the golden voice behind our intro. Our music is Game Boy Horror by the Zombie Dandies. Find more about them both in our show notes. Follow us on social media at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Stop by and say hi. Show us your toy hauls and share your toy stories. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Don't try this at home. Voidware prohibited and some assembly required. Each sold separately, not a flying toy. Consult a physician if your toy run exceeds more than four hours. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.